Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. You shall not go up, circle around behind them and come up, come upon them in the front of the mulberry trees, right? And so David inquired of the Lord again, right? And so twice he inquired of the Lord. He didn't presume upon anything. You know, this ambush tactic uh, that's in Second Samuel here is probably the, 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 the battle plan that God had for Ai from the very beginning, if they would have only inquired of them. Today on Truth in Christ, God tells Joshua, lay an ambush of the city behind it. Welcome everyone to our Bible study for today. God gives Joshua a plan for conquering the city of Ai, and now he must follow it. In the first try with the city of Ai, there is no mention in scripture of anyone inquiring of the Lord. However, this time, Joshua did so, and the Lord directed his steps. When we need to regain the victory in our lives, we must inquire of the Lord and follow His plan. And now, let's turn our Bibles to Joshua chapter 8 and follow along with Pastor Rob. Take all the people of war with you. Why is this? Because look back at Genesis, I'm sorry, Joshua chapter 7. Look back at verse 2. Let me just read it to you. You just turn a page back and you can see, why did God instruct them to take all the men of war? Well, because they didn't. It says in Joshua 7, verse 2, Now Joshua sent men, remember, they just had this great victory in Jericho, send men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon, on the east side of Bethel, and and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and they spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and they said to him, Don't let all the people go. Underline this. This is a bad thing. Don't let all the people go, but let about about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Don't weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. Just go up. They had just finished this great battle at Jericho that they had to do very little, by the way. And now they're starting to feel it. Hey, we're God's people. What does it say in Proverbs 16, verse 18? Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. They started to think, hey, we got this covered. We don't need to send everybody. We can just send, oh, let's just send a, I don't know, just send like a tenth of what we got. You know, these guys will continue eating and let those guys do it, and I'm sure it'll get taken care of, and, you know, another one on the bedpost. You know, we can scratch that off. Another, another one bites the dust, right? But whenever we have a victory of any kind, that is a time when we need to be most careful. Isn't it true? When we have victories in our life, we tend to get lax and we tend to rest. 
We tend to be lazy. King David got lazy, if you remember, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, and we're not going to read that, that, that event because we know that event very well. He should have been out to battle, but instead he stayed home resting. He should have been out there, but now he's resting. And what is the old adage? Idle hands are the devil's playground. And certainly David's eyes, his idle eyes, started to look over he is, as he was on top of his palace. And he looks down. And I can see this in my head. Can you? Can you see the picture? He's up on top of his palace, and he looks over, and all the, you know, there's other houses that are lower than his. And he looks over, and he sees Bathsheba bathing. Maybe she's not even aware that he's even watching. Or maybe she did know. Don't really know. But he shouldn't have been there. But we get lazy. And notice, in, in verse 2, it says, uh, only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Notice that the Lord now allows for them to take the spoil. Remember when they went to Jericho, they weren't to touch it at all, but now they were allowed to. See, the spoils of Jericho may have been like a first fruits, because that was God's battle. God told them the battle plan. They were just obedient. God did the miracle. They had to do very little. And it was like the first fruits of their escapade, or not their escapade, their mission into the promised land. God says, I want you to sanctify all those things and bring them in to me for the use of the temple. And you know, you think about it, what would happen if Achan had waited? Remember in Joshua 7, just the previous chapter? They went into Jericho, and he grabs the garment from Babylon, this beautiful garment. He grabs a wedge of silver and a wedge of gold. What would have happened if he would have just waited for the very next battle, he would probably have more than he could possibly ever wanted. Probably had that and much more, but he was impatient. He was shoving the dove, <laughs> trying to get it now. I want the blessing now. I don't want to wait. Isn't that what greed does? Isn't that what the devil does to you? You've got some kind of weakness in your heart, and he says, you don't have to wait for it. Take it now. Take it now. And isn't it true that whenever we're patient, it's always better if you're patient and then it comes to pass. It's usually much better than what you ever thought. There's no guilt involved. But that wasn't the case for Achan. He could have waited because this very next battle, he would have had more than he possibly could have wanted. But notice what it says at the end of verse 2. It says, now lay an ambush for the city behind it. You see, the Lord is very gracious and often in the beginning of our relationship with him, He's speaking loud and clear, and our prayers seem to all be answered quickly. Remember when you first came to the Lord? It's like everything, the Bible was coming to life, and it seemed like every prayer you were praying, was there, there were answers to it. It was, it was that way for me. I just felt like I was alive for the first time, and all of a sudden, God was just like allowing me as this infant to, to just blow my mind and to, to draw me in, right? He, he threw out the candy, and he threw out some more candy, and he's drawing me in. But as, as time went on, he started throwing less of the candy. And he's like, I, got, I need you to walk by faith, son. I can't have you. I can't be spoon-feeding you all your life. You're not going to grow. I can't spoon-feed you all your life. I can't, you know, put the bib underneath you. I, I need you to get up on your feet and start to walk, and I need you to start listening and start obeying and trusting me and building that faith, right? So lay an ambush for the city, behind it. Notice that the battle plan here in AI was the second, um, the second phase of it was very different than when they attacked Jericho. You know, the children of Israel, they had to obey by faith concerning Jericho, and it made absolutely no sense to them at all. They simply had to obey. Would it make sense to you? 
Joshua was very skilled in military endeavors, and so he's thinking probably before the Lord spoke to him, he probably already had something planned and ready to go. But God says, you know what, Joshua? I don't need your, your, your human ingenuity. I don't need your experience. I love you, and I've given you that mind that you have. And I'm not, I'm not ashamed of that. But there's something more important than your, your experience and your ingenuity and your smarts militarily. I'm going to do something that no one's going to understand. You won't even understand it until it comes to pass. But you be obedient. And that's what, one thing they were learning, right? And so they did. They were simply obedient. And God did the miracle. That's usually the case. We just have to be obedient. No matter how silly it seems, no matter how worthless it seems, if God is speaking to you about something, just do that thing and let him worry about the rest. Believe me, if he can speak the world into existence and create everything as intricate as it is, he can get through to you. Don't think that you're, not, you're too thick that he can't speak to you. Believe me, when the time comes, he can speak to you and you will know it and you will obey it if you're willing. But if you don't obey it, it's because you're being disobedient because he will speak to you. And notice that the Lord knew what was needed to attain victory, and he didn't simply allow uh, them to follow the same mold as Jericho. What worked last time may not work this time. And in this way, he keeps us dependent on him and not, you know, not on our own methods or schemes. But what worked last time? may not work this time. In fact, it probably won't work this time. You see, God refuses to be pigeonholed and put in a mold. He oftentimes refuses the rote methods and the paths that are well-worn. He is alive, and he wants your faith to be alive. And sometimes that means being on the fly, changing things on the fly. And for him to just say, you know what? Change your plans. (laughs) I mean, he knows the plan, but you don't know the plan. But he's saying, you know what? Because of this, I need you to do this. It's not going to make sense. Just do it. But Lord, just do it. But Lord, just do it. I got a better idea. Okay. Let's see what you got. <laughs> and then we go out, we make a mess of things. And he's like, now let me tell you what would have happened if you'd have just done this one thing. Now, let's go back and let's do it again. And then you finally do it. And it's like, Lord, it was so simple. I didn't have to do anything, but just obey. Yeah. That was the whole idea. That was the whole idea. Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 5. This is really wonderful. It's a wonderful passage. 2 Samuel chapter 5. We're going to pick up in verse 17. This is David early in his reign as king. 2 Samuel 5 verse 17. So, Now, when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David, and David heard of it, and he went down to the stronghold. And the Philistines also went, and they deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Notice verse 19. Underline this. So David inquired of the Lord. Underline that. David inquired of the Lord, saying, Notice, this is what he inquired of the Lord about. He said, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And look what the Lord said to him. Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. 
Verse 20. So David went to Baal-perazim, and David defeated them there, and he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal-perazim. And they left their images there, and David and his men carried them away. And then the Philistines went up once again and deployed themselves again in the valley of Rephaim. And I'll underline this again. Therefore David inquired of the Lord. Underline that phrase. He inquired of the Lord again. In the same valley, the same thing is happening again. You would think, he would just say, well, God's going to do the same thing. Very natural. They set up there. Are you going to give them into my hand? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to give them to you all, David. Go ahead, go. So it wasn't long after that, they do the whole thing again. It's very natural for a man to say, well, God is, he, he told us he was going to do this with the Philistines. He's going to give them into my hand. So let's just do the same thing. Plan A, you know, 2.0. Notice what the Lord says. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, and he said, verse 23, he said, you shall not go up. Notice what he says, circle around behind them. And this is important because of what we're looking at tonight, because this is exactly what God was going to have the children of Israel do back several hundreds of years prior to this. You shall not go up. Circle around behind them and come up come upon them in the front of the mulberry trees, right? And so David inquired of the Lord again, right? And so twice he inquired of the Lord. He didn't presume upon anything. You know, this ambush tactic uh, that's in Second Samuel here is probably the, 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 the battle plan that God had for Ai from the very beginning, if they would have only inquired of them. Because um, in Joshua 7, verse, uh, Joshua 7, verses 3 and 4, there's no mention of them inquiring of the Lord. In fact, what does it say? In, in uh, 7, 7 verses 3. Let me just read it to you. And they returned to Joshua and said, Do not let all the people go up, but let only about two or 3,000 go up. Is there any mention in that, in that area? You can read it again if you want. There's no mention of them asking the Lord for anything. They, just, they decided to do it. They didn't inquire. God had a plan. And I think this is interesting because this passage in 2 Samuel, even though this passage that in 2 Samuel wouldn't happen for uh, probably um, uh, six, uh, what is it, uh, 600 years in the, in the future to this event here in, uh, in, the, in the history of Israel, they should have prayed. They should have stopped. They should have inquired of the Lord. They presumed, and the sin of Achan and their presumption caused their defeat. And presumption is exactly what the devil used to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. Remember? Presumption. Well, if you're the son of God, then jump off this pinnacle of this temple. For it's written that the angels will, will bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus all the time is counteracting the devil's presumption, trying to get him to presume upon the grace of God just because he is. In fact, in the original language it says, since you are the Son of God, because you are who you are, jump off. God's not going to let anything happen to you. You're his son. You are God in the flesh. So just jump off, and I'm sure nothing will happen. That's presumption. We should never presume upon God. He is faithful, and he loves us, but we should never take him for granted in the sense of, of, of doing evil things or, or presuming to do something and expecting him to bail us out. You know, he's so gracious that often he does. He bails us out oftentimes. And, you know, but there's coming a time when you play the game long enough, he's going to say, you know what, 
I love you, but I can't let you get away with this. You've been presuming upon me, and you've been expecting me to get you out of this ditch that you've been continually digging for yourself. And I did it three times so far, my grace, but I'm not going to allow it this time. You need to learn a lesson here, son, daughter. You need to learn a lesson. And boy, that's humiliating when you have to learn a lesson like that. Presumption. And notice in Joshua 7, verse 5, tells us that by God's grace, only 36 of the men who went up in that first phase against Ai, only 36 of them died. Is that grace in the first phase? And then when they realize what, they, what they've, you know, what they've done, they, they, they seek the Lord. Let's go on to verse 3. And Joshua 8 says, So Joshua rose, and all the people of war to go up against Ai. And Joshua uh, chose 30,000 men, mighty men of valor, and he sent them away by night. Notice, because back in in Joshua chapter 6, when they went against Jericho, it was in the morning. It was in the morning they got up and did that, right? But now they're supposed to do it at night. So everything is changing. And, and this, this is just wonderful. I mean, if you're a, a military strategist, l- to learn the Bible and to learn the battles in here is, is incredible. I mean, anybody at West Point should be studying these battles in the Bible because a lot of these things are being, have been used for centuries, these kinds of tactics. But notice now it's by night. It's by night. Verse 4, and he commanded them, saying, Behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city. Behind the city, notice, do not go very far from the city, but all of you be ready. And then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city and will come out. And when they come out against us, as at the first, we will flee before them. So they're, they're going to do the exact same thing and draw the men of Ai out again. Because they, they did it the first time and they got beat. Now they're going to do it again. But now God has given them the strategy that he was going to give to David several hundred years in the future. Go around behind them, set an ambush behind them, and we're going to look at that here shortly. So God is going to use their previous defeat into a victory. And isn't that just like the Lord? In Romans 8.28 it says, And we know that all things work to the good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. You know, even our mistakes, God can use them. He can turn them around for his good and for our good. And here's the thing. If we learn from our mistakes, they can be our best teachers. You know, not that you make a mistake. That's not the bad thing. As if you learn from the mistake that you made, that's the important thing. God knows you're going to make a mistake. But for heaven's sake, learn from the mistake. Don't just keep making the same mistake over and over again. That means you're not paying attention. But when we make the same mistake over and over again, we are not paying attention. But see, God wants to restore you. And if you've made a big mistake or you've sinned in some way, we need to repent of it, we need to learn from it, and we need to teach others about it that they might fear and turn their heart to the Lord. Isn't that what it's supposed to be like? But, you know, make no mistake. It it would be better for you not to make the mistake and have to learn from it. I'm sure David, if if he could go back and look at his life, he would say, you know what, I wish I hadn't made those mistakes how much more glorious would his life have been if he hadn't have done those things? What kind of psalms could have been written? You know, and, and here's the thing, Romans 8.28, all things work together for the good. Even the heart-wrenching thing that he had done, how many men and women over the centuries, over the thousands of years, 
have made the same sin. And now they can go to Psalm 51. They can go to Psalm 32. And they can read about that in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12. And they can read of the depth of, of David's heartbrokenness. And you can relate to that because maybe you've gone through the same thing. But it would have been far better for David to have never done those things. God could have given him so much greater insight into things that would have changed uh, his life and everyone else's. Verse 6, For they will come out after us and, uh, until we have drawn them out from the city. For they will say, They are fleeing before us as at the first. Therefore we will flee before them. And then you shall arise, verse 7, from the ambush and seize the city. For the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it will be, verse 8, when you have taken the city, that you shall set the city on fire according to the commandment of the Lord you shall do. See, I have, I have commanded you. So Joshua, therefore, sent them out, and they went out to lie in ambush, and they stayed between Bethel and Ai on the west side of Ai. But Joshua lodged that night among the people. And then Joshua rose up early, notice, early in the morning, and he mustered the people. And he went up, and he and the elders of Israel before the people to Ai. And all the people of war who were with him went up and drew near, and they came before the city and camped on the north side of Ai. Now a valley lay between them and Ai. So he took about 5,000 men and set them in an ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the city. And when they had set the people, all the army that was on the north side of the city and its rear guard on the west of the city, Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley. And now it happened. Now, so he's got everything in, 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 in order here. In fact, if you look up here on the screen, he has them go around. You notice up here at the top here, he has 30,000 of the men go for, right around here to the back side on the, on the west side of Ai, because here's Ai, right where my red dot is. So he has 30,000 men go over here, and then he's got another 5,000 going up between here. Why? Because Bethel is right there. So anybody who comes out from Bethel trying to help out Ai, these 5,000 have got it covered, and now these 30,000 are coming in from behind, and then Joshua and all of them are right here in front, and guess whose eyes are on Joshua? The king of Ai and everyone else. They're looking straight ahead seeing several thousand men, including Joshua, out in front. They're they're not even aware that around behind them and on the west and on the north, they have no idea that there's men back there waiting. And so they do. They come out. They come out to meet them in battle, thinking they're going to do the exact same thing that they did before. And notice what happens. It happened when the king of Ai, verse 14, when he saw it, that the men of the city hurried, and they rose early and went out against Israel to battle, he and all his people at an appointed place before the plain. But he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city. And so Joshua and all Israel made as if they were beaten before them and fled by the way of the wilderness. So all the people who were in Ai were called together to pursue them. And they pursued Joshua and were drawn away from the city. And there was not a man, verse 17, left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. So now both of these cities are emptied so that they left the city open and they pursued Israel. And then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out your spear that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that was in his hand toward the city. Now, one thing you have to remember is this spear that he has, this javelin, whatever it is, is probably made of metal, and the sun is just coming up. And so that thing is lighting up when the sun hits it. And those guys over behind um, Ai, who are on the north side of it, about ready to come this way, because remember, the, the guys are coming in. 
down toward Jer- you know toward the uh, the men of Israel, the guys are coming behind it. They see the glittering javelin. They know that that's their cue, and so they've got to hurry because they've got this huge area that they've got to set on fire and take care of whatever business they've got to take there and set it on fire quickly because those enemies are coming down. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Joshua. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.